Hi, welcome to episode 36 of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. For this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gao and I will discuss the biggest FX moves over the past few days, which are in dollar-yen, dollar-RMB, and correlated Asian currencies. The title for this episode is Asian Currencies Take a Tumble. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries. Greg, it's March 15th, 2022, and really the list of interesting things to talk about keeps getting longer. That's my feeling on this uh, in any case. Let's just take a look at the spot returns of the Asian currency complex since just prior to the start of the war in Ukraine. So at the bottom of the list, we have South Korea, which is lower by 4% since February 23rd. Next is Thailand, slightly smaller decline. Uh, Japan and India's currencies are down just under 3% each. Uh, And the outperformers with either a tiny appreciation or a much smaller depreciation are Indonesia, Malaysia, and China. And just for the record, uh, these spot returns for the currencies in question are against the US dollar. For the most part, I think those returns can largely be explained by the relative vulnerability of those currencies to rising energy prices. Uh, with with the most vulnerable currencies at the bottom, and then moving up the list uh, to currencies that have either a much smaller deficit in crude oil uh, or a surplus, and to currencies where the central bank is more actively involved in currency management. You mentioned the 4% rise in dollar Korea, and I'll point out that we're talking about a low volatility currency pair that had three-month vol trading on a six handle in January. So uh, a 4% move in three weeks, that's a pretty big shock. And actually, I'll argue that the 2.7% move in three weeks in the Japanese yen is a pretty big shock too. One of the things I I would note in particular is the breakouts. And by a breakout, I mean a move higher in the dollar that brings the exchange rate to new highs that haven't been seen for, let's say, at least six months. So Among the Asian currencies, Korean won, New Taiwan dollar, Japanese yen, Philippines peso, they've all had breakouts thus far in March. But uh, interestingly, Sing dollar, uh, Indonesian rupiah, Malaysian ringgit, and then uh, the Chinese RMB, they have not had breakouts yet. So there's one other thing that I want to point out, and, and that is the timing of the breakouts. The first two breakouts were in Korea and Philippines, and they both occurred on Friday, March 4th. Then the next breakout was uh, in the Taiwan dollar uh, on March 7th. Then we got the breakout in dollar-yen on Friday, March 11th. And then after all of that, 
Well, we finally got the big move in dollar China that we've seen thus far this week. And while it isn't a breakout by the definition I, I just gave, you know, new dollar highs for six month period or longer, it, it is nevertheless a really big and noteworthy momentum shift for dollar Asia. And also where the RMB is the biggest weight in the oft referenced ADXY index, we now have a breakout in that index with the breakout occurring yesterday, March 14th. ADXY uh, has traded today down to a new 16-month low. Greg, I think you touched on a number of key points there, uh, but where I'll pick up the conversation is just to say briefly that I don't think there are really many surprises in those, in those currencies that have experienced breakouts, given what's happened with energy prices. Of course, we know the region is very trade dependent uh, and faces rising input costs, which may, may eat into corporate margins. Um, Singapore, the fact that its currency hasn't had a breakout, the Monetary Authority of Singapore's policy regime is to manage the rate of depreciation or appreciation of the currency. And in any case, Singapore has an enormous external surplus. Indonesia has a very small trade deficit in crude oil as a share of GDP. Uh, and a key supportive factor for the IDR is the improvement in the external position and, for example, the central bank's import coverage ratio since the 2013 taper tantrum. I mean, that was a, a big lesson for some of these central banks that were negatively affected by the Fed's tapering of QE during the last decade. In fact, if you go back as far as last September, Bank Indonesia was already broadcasting the fact that it was prepared for the Fed to taper QE. And then you have the Malaysian ring at MYR, uh, which is a small net exporter of crude oil, uh, so it doesn't have a massive energy security issue. And that's pretty much the way the returns have stacked up. Good point, Stephen. And I'll just add that for the Japanese yen, we're talking about a, a country that had basically lost its trade surplus on the move in oil to levels above $70 a barrel. So with oil at uh, $90 plus, we're likely to see a substantial trade deficit in 2022. And in fact, I wouldn't be all that shocked if even the current account balance moved into a deficit. And that's not the only negative for the yen. The other half is the Fed rate hikes, which the Ukraine war uh, doesn't seem to have taken off the table. The interest rate differential between Japan and the U.S. will continue to widen, and that should put a lot of upward pressure on dollar yen. I still think we'll get above 120 in the pair, and I wouldn't entirely rule out a move to 125. But Stephen, why do you think that the move in the RMB is smaller and coming later in the domino chain? Greg, I think there are a bunch of explanations for the timing and relatively small size of the move in the RMB that you mentioned. One explanation is that China seemed to be on the receiving end of flows from Russia before the war in Ukraine. And now that the war has started, and now that Russian entity, entities can't access their dollar accounts, they're drawing down uh, on their RMB balances in China. I think it's worth noting that the US has now claimed that Russia requested military support from China. So without going too deep into this very sensitive issue, let's just for now call it murky. A second explanation for the move in the RMB, I think it's partly policy related. It looks like it's pretty clear to Chinese policymakers that downside risk to global growth have increased. 
Uh, initially, Chinese policymakers wanted to project stability uh, at the start of the war, but as the war dragged on and, and downside growth risks have increased, uh, policymakers also have to keep an eye on China's competitiveness vis-a-vis South Korea and Japan. So we're seeing a gradual and orderly realignment of the RMB in line with the domestic and international backdrops. Uh, Greg, I have a couple of other angles I just want to throw out there. I think one factor which explains the small size of the move in RMB in the RMB thus far is the buildup of surplus FX liquidity onshore over the past one to two years, really since the start of the pandemic, and also the degree to which policymakers have made it more costly for banks to lend dollars onshore. So to me, that looks like preparation for an eventual Fed policy normalization, meaning I don't think there is a massive shortage of USD at the moment, and I don't think economic agents in mainland China are significantly short of dollars. Uh, Secondly, one other angle I'll point out, I think China is more confident in the idea that the Fed is not going to start its tightening cycle aggressively. Uh, So it's able to ease policy with the exchange rate with a reduced risk of the move triggering a major appreciation of the dollar. So, Stephen, what if I'm right and dollar yen goes all the way up to 125? Where do you think dollar China would go? Good question, Greg, and also very pertinent. Well, first off, we're comparing a low vol managed currency, the renminbi, with a freely floating higher vol currency, the yen. So if dollar yen were to trade to 125, I would give you something like 645, 650. I mean, it is very much a judgment call. But what makes me cautious about predicting a big move in the RMB is that I think Chinese policymakers in this global environment are worried about an EM currency crisis. Not every EM currency, but you know, outflows from EM currencies and distress in general. Um, And I don't think they want to be the catalyst for an EM currency crisis. So that's what makes me a bit cautious. But definitely a knee-jerk move higher in dollar RMB if dollar yen goes to 125, Greg. Stephen, last discussion point. Uh, Euro-China has bounced uh, pretty hard over the last couple of days. What's your view there uh, on Euro-China? In the short term, Greg, if we get another downturn in the Asian currency complex, Euro-CNH will probably rally. But I think those rallies are good entry levels for medium-term Euro-short positions. I struggle to see the Asian bloc with its command and state-driven economies emerging from this very difficult economic period in structurally worse shape uh, than Europe, even with a path towards a more integrated fiscal policy in Europe being outlined as a result of the war in Ukraine, you actually have to take a closer look at what is being integrated. And it looks like this push towards fiscal integration, it's going to coincide with uh, enormous costs, more regulation, more taxation, uh, a risk of a further influx of migrants from various regions, not just Ukraine. Um, And I think the euro area is probably going to find that achieving merchandise trade surpluses will be much more difficult in the post-globalization era. So I think for the most part, you largely ignore the fact that the ECB is normalizing policy while China is in a modest easing cycle because there are bigger fundamental drivers in play here. And in any case, I struggle to see how the ECB can permanently step back from being involved in the bond markets, whether the markets in question 
uh, are the national sovereign debt markets or the market for EU issued bonds. Why don't we wrap up episode 36 here, Greg? Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.